0: Welcome to London Runway Style, each episode we look at a catwalk collection or article you can find in our pages, so if you want to listen with a visual aid, head to londonrunway.co.uk for a digital or print copy. Today we're looking at issue 67 and What Would McQueen Do by Suhani Lotlika. Born in a family of humble backgrounds, Lee Alexander McQueen, famously known as Alexander McQueen, is a name that has been tattooed on the skin of the fashion industry. Just at the age of 16, he dropped out of school and found work at a men's made-to-measure suit store in London's Mayfair district. This inception in his career took him from tailor store to theatre costume design, which majorly influenced his later work. The designer's first spotlight moment happened at the Central Saint Martins College of Art and Design, where he presented his MA collection, Jack the Ripper. The collection is known to have featured a lock of McQueen's own hair. The entire collection was bought by the renowned stylist Isabella Blow, who later became a long-term friend of the designer. She stood by McQueen in his initial days of struggle, during which he established his own brand of women's wear. The hardship faced by Lee in those days has become the brick and mortar of the brand today. The news of McQueen's passing presented regret and sorrow for many. The originality and valour in his work made me think about what McQueen would do while studying every show that came after. Looking back into the archives of the designers' runway shows, the infamous Bumpster trousers, first introduced in the Spring-Summer 1995 collection, would have carried a similar reputation with Gen Z. His unusual concepts, taking a walk in front of today's audience, would have forced them to look beyond their screen. Fashion students would have lined up outside trying to sneak into his shows for a glimpse, just as the sneakerheads line up for a drop at Supreme. McQueen's work was prominently inspired by his study of fashion history and ability to turn it upside down. Another one of his iconic collections, rather a heavily criticised one, the autumn winter 2009 Horn of Plenty, presented models wearing extreme, overdrawn red and black lips and outfits duct tape with metal scraps. Considering the current trend of fuller and overlined lips, McQueen's visualisation, deemed as grotesque, was way ahead of his time. His models walked the runway of this showcase, leaving behind the need to be cinched by their waists or have a lavish hairdo. It would have portrayed a hint of satire on the beauty trends celebrated today. The concept development behind every collection presented by him painted a picture of his ideas in their literal glory. What followed was no less than the chaotic representation through art with The Hunger, Spring-Summer 1996 collection, and Dante, Autumn-Winter 1996 collection. This paved the way to international fame, and acquired him the British Designer of the Year award. He also worked with music artists such as Björk and David Bowie during this period. In the same year, Lee was appointed Head Designer at the French Luxury House of Givenchy, succeeding John Galliano. His first collection, where he tried to walk the thin line between his creative outtake and the brand's aesthetic, was unsuccessful. McQueen himself stated that the collection was crap, and that his creativity was constrained at the job. This translated into the comeback collection of It's a Jungle Out There, Autumn-Winter 1997. Lee found relatability between his life as a designer and that of a gazelle in a documentary he had watched. The divide between today's streetwear and luxury garments would have found a middle with the denim and leather frock coats presented in this collection. From nihilism to Neptune, the world of fashion witnessed an unconventional and controversial turn with McQueen. A reporter from the New York Times expressed her views about this comeback as He isn't just part of the London scene, he is the scene. Rightly said, number 13 once again showcased the designer's capacities to the world. The collection featured two iconic show-stopping moments. The double amputee Amy Mullins graced the runway in a pair of intricately hand prosthetic legs, and who doesn't remember Shalom Harlow in a white belted dress being spray-painted by two robotic arms in yellow and black. This dive into the brand's runway archives would not be complete without a rerun of Voss, the spring-summer 2001 collection. The models that walked down the harshly lit glass-walled runway were adorned with bandages on their heads. This fashion moment was extremely outlandish and kitsch. It showed Lee's ability of storytelling through excellent tailoring and production. The classic silhouettes presented at the show remain as the brand's identity even today. We're not talking about models' personal feelings here, we're talking about mine. Models are there to showcase what I'm about, nothing else. It's nothing to do with misogyny. It's all about the way I'm feeling about my life, he said. In 2001, McQueen showcased his last collection in London before moving to Paris. The autumn show featured a merry-go-round with models wearing clown-like makeup dragging a golden skeleton. The years that followed created many more such iconic fashion moments for the brand. McQueen's last collection, unofficially titled Angels and Demons, had 16 pieces that were only 80% finished. Sarah Burton, Alexander McQueen's long-term assistant, succeeded the designer to keep the brand going. The designer's legacy lives on in the inspiration boards of fashion students and in the archives of luxury houses, but the iconic vision behind the runway presentations has left through the doors. In this day and age, where conversations are fuelled with topics of cultural appreciation and appropriation, political correctness, climate change and wildfires, even a global pandemic. McQueen's cutting-edge interpretations would have helped reimagine and redefine fashion. He was criticised for being a misogynist, whereas his art was focused on creating clothes for women who would be feared. The brilliance in his vision of fashion and art would have created many more blinding moments, making us all question the meaning and purpose of fashion. His runway shows were representative, diverse, and inclusive even back in the 90s. His ability to create and showcase without the fear of damaging the brand would have made him an excellent pioneer in today's fashion industry. He was the change before the change. This episode of London Runway Style was presented by me, Chief Editor Rhiannon de You can find full issues as well as interviews, articles, trend reports and more at londonrunway.co.uk and follow us at London Runway Mag on most social media channels. Until next time... Enjoy.